Welcome to the National Native Network podcast series. Today, we're presenting our webinar archive, the Circle of Life Curriculum, Module 4, Palliative Care. To view the webinar video and additional resources, please visit our website, keepitsacred.org, and click the Resources tab and the Webinar Archive tab. Please enjoy our presentation. Good morning and good afternoon, everyone. My name is Joshua Hudson, and I'm with the National Native Network. Thank you for joining us for our fourth installment of American Cancer Society's Circle of Life webinar series. Um, today, we have Kendra Rowland, MPH, and she's uh, an MS1. She's the former cancer program manager at the American Indian Cancer Foundation. I wanted to give a quick reminder. So we have had modules one, two, and three, um, and we have since sent out the certificates to everybody, but I did receive some email bounce backs. So if you've not, if you've not received your certificate for your attendance of model one, modules one, two, or three that you did attend, please email nnn at itcmi.org um, with the modules that you attended. That way I can cross-reference and then I can reply to you with your appropriate certificate. So now I will give it over to Kendra to take us away. Thanks, Josh. Hi, everybody. My name is Kendra Rowland. I'm an enrolled member of the Mandan, Hidatsa, and Arikara Nation. Like Josh said, I am the previous cancer programs manager with the American Indian Cancer Foundation. And I am currently a first year medical student at the University of North Dakota School of Medicine and Health Sciences. Um, so last week we talked about the cancer journey specifically around um, treatment and traditional healing. And so this week we are going to be talking about um, palliative care. Josh, are there some polling questions that you were wanting to ask? There are. Thank you for reminding me. Mm -hmm. So I am launching them now. So our first poll question is, what time zone are you joining from? And we're at just about 40% having participated. I like to get to the 60% mark. So if you haven't voted yet, please do so. I'll leave it open for five more seconds. It looks like mountain is mountain time is showing most heavily. Alrighty. The next polling question is up. I'll leave it open for four more seconds. Okay, 92% of our respondents identify as female. Here's our third initial polling question. 
do you think that cancer is an issue in your community? I'll leave it open for five more seconds. And 93% of, of respondents have said yes. And then here is the final initial polling question. So if you are a CHR or a health educator, how long have you been doing this work for? If you're not a CHR or a health educator, um, you don't necessarily need to respond. I'll leave it open for four more seconds. Um, I'm sharing the results now. 32% have been a CHR or a health educator for 15 or more years. Okay, so I think that's it for the polling questions, Kendra. So now I think we can get into it. Okay. Sorry, hold on, I'm trying to forward it here. There we go. So um, again, we've talked about this at every beginning of the module, just about the Circle of Life initiative. And really it's to talk about caregiver support, uh, the cancer journey, uh, different healthy habits to reduce your risks of cancer. Um, and then, you know, that call to action of cancer screening and um, early detection. So today, like I said, we're going to be talking more about palliative care and caregiving. So we're going to discuss how patients can take care of themselves during and after cancer treatment, who are caregivers and what they do, and then why are caregivers an important and necessary part of the care, um, the cancer care continuum, and then also how can caregivers take care of themselves. So let's just jump right in. Here's a little review from last week. So palliative care, again, we talked about palliative and hospice care. And so palliative care is really this whole entire idea of improving um, quality of life. And so when you're talking with a cancer patient or working with a cancer patient, it's really best to at least start a discussion about palliative care early on, um, either at or not long after that person has been diagnosed. Um, palliative care is kind of coincides with cancer treatment. Again, it's this idea of improving a patient's quality of life. So it's really important to realize that maintaining the patient's quality of life is another important goal within their treatment plan. Um, this is true regardless of whether a person's being treated to cure cancer or if um, cancer has you know, become too advanced for them to be cured. So the goal of treatment is cure. Palliative treatments can help ease those symptoms from the main cancer treatment. So again, if cancer is advanced, palliative treatment may play an even larger role in helping to keep a person comfortable and maintain uh, quality of life for as long as possible. And again, palliative care is often used by itself if cancer treatment no longer works. So when might somebody consider palliative care? So uh, if they're experiencing side effects from their cancer treatments to the point where they're having a hard time doing um, daily tasks, um, if they're losing more and more energy, feeling tired, weak, 
or if they're spending more and more time in bed. Um, palliative care doesn't mean that a person is giving up. It just means that they're choosing to really achieve the best quality of life for themselves, their family, and their caregivers. So as health educators, CHRs, um, anything we're doing, we need to respect and honor our patients, our relatives' choices. So how a person's treated for a serious illness is um, very personal and a person should make the choices that are best for them. So some people can live many years with advanced cancer, but keep in mind that any type of prediction is really only an educated guess for um, the length of that someone may live. So you, we never can really know how long that person is actually going to live. Oops, sorry, went forward. So palliative care is given by um, specialized health professionals to improve the quality of life of individuals and families who face serious illness. Um, and it can really address physical, emotional, spiritual, and social needs of a person from the time of diagnosis to the end of life. Um, it really aims to relieve those symptoms like pain, nausea, fatigue, um, but also palliative care can help families and friends with feeling overwhelmed with those extra responsibilities, managing other obligations like work, caring for their family members, providing care for an ill loved one, and also helping a loved one with medical problems and emotions like worry um, or fear. So palliative care and again, palliative care and hospice care may seem similar, but really they address kind of two separate um, ideas. And again, palliative being that we want to improve the quality of life of the patient, whereas hospice is really for individuals with progressive, debilitating, and, and untreatable um, illnesses, uh, more of end-of-life care. So when have you cared for others in your life? So I just want everyone to think about this. We don't have a, a chat option, but if you can just, you know, if you have a pen or paper, just think about the times that you've cared for your relatives, your children, um, your mom, your dad. Um, helping others can be a really meaningful experience for a lot of people. And um, caring for someone can produce a deep sense of satisfaction, confidence, accomplishment, and really just that feeling of, of being there with um, your loved one or friend uh, in their time of need. So let's talk about cancer diagnoses and caregiving or um, being a caregiver. So people, obviously, um, a lot of people are shocked when they first hear the word cancer or when they receive a diagnosis. And it can be really hard for them to hear or remember anything else after that initial kind of that initial diagnosis. So family members or friends should pay really close attention if you're at a doctor or, or a doctor's appointment with your loved one, because later on you may need to help them remember or explain more in depth what might have been said. Um, again, when someone is told they have cancer, their life changes. But as caregivers, family members, 
we can be there to support and really lift up lift up our relatives and um, during their their diagnosis. Um, another thing that's really important is self care, not only for the patient but also for the caregiver. Because if you're unable to really take care of yourself and and keep keep um, you know a good mind, uh, healthy healthy habits then it's going to be really hard for you to be able to help somebody else. So let's talk more about self-care and expressing care. So what could you say? Um, I'm not sure what to say, but I want you to know I care. If you would like to talk about it, I'm here. Please let me know how I can help. These are just ways that you could talk to your relative or a patient. So uh, again, we don't have that chat box, but just take a, like a minute to um, jot down or think about what you might say to your family member or your, um, your patient about their cancer diagnosis. So caregivers, families, and friends probably will have a lot of questions um, in regards to their loved one, whether that be about the cancer itself, but also how they should talk or act around that person. So just, you know, things to remember. Uh, it's helpful to remember. So, you know, take a notebook, write, write your feelings, write your, your appointments down. Um, it's normal to feel confused about what you should say to somebody who has cancer. Sometimes the most simple expressions of concern can be the most meaningful. And then also just listening, you know, being a good listener is, is a really helpful thing that you can do as a caregiver or a loved one. So let's talk about caring for a loved one. So caregivers are most often family members or close friends who care for their loved ones at home, but that also can be individuals who are more involved with the patient in terms of like a in-home nurse or some kind of caregiver like that. So a caregiver is a key part of, of a cancer patient's care. Good, reliable care is giving very important um, to physical and emotional well-beings of people who are treated for cancer. So today, people spend far less time in the hospital than they did in the past when it comes to um, treatment or after, and this has led to the need for family to be really a part of that day-to-day -day care for somebody who's living with cancer. And actually, about 80% of families end up providing those home care services to, um, to their loved one or their friend who who is a, can a current cancer patient. So when you, when you are caregiving, you will be um, working with an entire team of people. It's, it's not just the cancer patient and you, obviously there's the oncologist, there's the nursing staff, there's these you know, patient navigators, CHRs, health educators. And being a caregiver is, is a vital part of being that that caregiving or healthcare team, um, and it's important because a lot of times that caregiver becomes 
you know, a trusted and reliable um, individual for the patient. And so, you know, you know, writing those notes down, going to appointments with them, you know, monitoring symptoms or side effects. And again, caregivers can keep can help keep their loved ones informed of what what's happening and kind of help them, you know, decide or navigate those treatment options if if something is working or maybe isn't working again monitoring side effects. So, what do caregivers do? Caregivers can give medicine, manage those side effects, report problems to healthcare providers. They can arrange schedules, manage medical paperwork, do transportation, provide um, meals, childcare, housekeeping. Um, these, this is just a very short list, but I mean, it's it's basically everything. You know, even just being that emotional support or um, being there to talk with their loved one. So, how can caregivers and cancer patients involve others around them? So having um, regular care planning meetings with their family and friends, asking those people when they can help, what they would like to do, and then also you know, keeping some kind of calendar to see who's helping, who's doing what, so there's not um, overlap. And almost always we know that there's just too much for one person to do when caring for someone who's being treated for cancer or any other illness. So being able to ask for help or allowing others to help can really take the pressure off and allow that main caregiver time to take for self-care too. So a lot of times family and friends may want to help, but they don't really know what they can do to help. So that caregiver can really, you know, make different lists or tasks to help them with like chores, shopping, meal prep, again, childcare, transportation, you know, the list I think is, it could be anything. Um, so additionally, there are websites that can let you set up a list of things that need to be done for the family. So for example, lotsahelpinghands.org lots is a website that allows you to do that. So you can have multiple people sign up. So say they wanna do meals, then you know each day or which week somebody might bring in a, be bringing a meal, things like that. So we talked about caregivers also being able to help out with medical paperwork. And the person that the patient chooses, um, whether that be uh, a representative or their um, caregiver and kind of will name them the healthcare power of attorney so that they can speak with healthcare providers um, on somebody's behalf. That, that makes that caregiver, um, they have the ability to make decisions for the patient according to the directions they've given earlier or just based on discussions they've had with that, that cancer patient. Um, so the healthcare power of attorney only takes effect when a patient becomes unable to make their own decisions. It is not like a durable power of attorney. So the healthcare power of attorney does not allow a person to make financial decisions uh, on behalf of a sick person. 
the healthcare power of attorney only lets them make decisions about the person's health when that person can't verbally speak for themselves. Um, so also one little side note um, on cancer.org, you can look up advanced directives and this will help um, provide you additional resources uh, specific to, you know, um, healthcare decisions, whether somebody wants, uh, you know, do not resuscitate on them, what they kind of want if they're unable to um, verbalize anything at that point. So I'm just going to read this quote um, from Judith. So no question is too small or too silly to ask. I never was afraid to call the doctor or staff with questions about anything, even questions about our bills and insurance. I found that our doctor and his staff were willing to answer any question. So as a caregiver, you know that um, you have the ability to reach the doctor or cancer treatment team even on nights, weekends, holidays. As a caregiver, just making sure that you have those that information, who you would need to contact. Um, you know, being able to go to appointments with a patient, seeing the cancer team, it's a good way to learn and stay connected about what's going on with your loved one's treatment or care. And then also, as a caregiver, be sure that the patient has signed those con um, those consent forms about uh, health care provider um, kind of privileges or health power of attorneys, things like that, where you're able to actually call on their behalf. So we're going to just do a quick activity. Um, if you have a pen or paper, you can go ahead and write these down and I'll give, I'll give us about two, three minutes um, to just kind of answer these questions and get you, get you thinking about these things. So who provides you with the greatest support and acceptance? What provides you with the greatest meaning in your life? And when you coped with the hardship in the past, what helped you get through? So just take a few minutes and answer these questions and then um, we'll continue on. So I'm going to give you about another minute to finish up your thoughts and then I'll move move on.
All right, moving on. So let's talk more about the importance of self-care, not only as a cancer patient, but specifically as a caregiver. So how do you take care of yourself? While caregivers are helping others, it's obviously also very important that we take care of ourselves. Um, so what do we do to, to take care? So there's caring for our bodies. Eating healthy foods is obviously very important. We talked about this in almost every single one of our modules as um, you know, an idea of, of maintaining those healthy eating habits um, for reducing risk of getting cancer. But so when someone is coping with a cancer diagnosis, cancer treatment or caring for that person, it might um, with cancer and, and thinking about what they need to eat, it could be the furthest thing from their mind, from your mind, but it's really important that we remember that eating well is so important and it can help people you know, feel better. It can keep up their strength, their energy, can keep up their weight, their body's um, store of nutrients, can um, help tolerate treatment-related side effects, it can decrease the risk of infection. Um, eating well can allow somebody to heal or recover faster. And then also just remembering that eating healthy is such an important part of our life of, of self-care of, again, kind of talking about those things I just said, but just keeping your whole, your body well and keeping, you know, that balance, uh, especially for caregivers with, you know, strength and energy, um, we, we know that to care for others, we have to, you know, be at our best to be able to really give somebody else our time and make sure that they're well as well. So how else do we um, uh, do self-care? So that might be through caring for the mind. So sharing with your, um, sharing with your friends how you're feeling, you know, taking time to do things that you enjoy, whether that's just going outside or, you know, calling and talking to a friend or your loved one. Um, but again, always remembering that, you know, there are people around you that are there to help you, um, whether that's as a cancer patient or as a caregiver, uh, all, you all you have to do is ask or really voice that. And then again, also when we think about caring for the mind, I think that um, one of the things that is important is is practicing, you know, different techniques like meditation to really clear the mind and and get you in a good head frame to to do the work or or, or provide that love and support um, and just you know having that mindfulness and and being self aware. So how else do we do um, self-caring? So caring for our spirit. So we know spirituality can be a, a source of, of strength for a lot of people, whether that's, you know, somebody who wants to walk in nature, you know, dancing, uh, all of these kind of activities to care for your spirit, uh, whether, you know, it's, again, going, in, going for a walk, 
talking with your family, it can really improve people's sense of well-being. So music, art, are, are other creative ways of really um, that self-expense. Again, improve somebody's well sense of well-being. So let's talk about taking care of stress, um, specifically certain signs that can be a warning that uh, perhaps somebody's stress levels are just, you know, too high. So for some people, cancer treatment is very difficult. It can be very distressful. Caring for somebody with cancer can also pose to be very challenging in itself. So certain signs and symptoms can be warnings um, that sadness or stress is just too high and it's becoming serious. So if somebody feels overwhelmed, anxious, sad, ang and angry, um, most of the time for more than a couple of weeks, it's a sign of depression. And um, people with depression may also have one or more of these symptoms. So, you know, not only are they having a hard time with their feelings, but also, you know, trouble eating, whether that be they're not eating enough or that they're eating too much, um, you know, losing interest or pleasure in things that they used to enjoy, having trouble thinking, not being able to concentrate, having trouble sleeping, or um, some people even start, you know, thinking a lot about death. So if you or family member is having any of these signs of symptom or symptoms, please talk to a healthcare provider. Talk to your provider, you know, let them know what's going on. Um, and, and that way they can help find a way to treat that and alleviate that so that isn't uh, a burden on you. So healthcare professionals and traditional healers realize that feeling sad or overwhelmed is, can be a part of having cancer, but it should be treated um, along with the physical symptoms of cancer. So again, when we talk about that palliative care of improving somebody's quality of life, these are ways that we can do that um, kind of coinciding with somebody's uh, cancer treatments. If you are a person helping to care for someone with cancer, it's important to see a healthcare provider if you know, uh, if you notice signs of depression in yourself, and again, just uh, not only depression, but anything, you know, we know our bodies the best. So I, I would, you know, advocate and tell anybody who's um, notices a change in their body or their, their mental health to, to be proactive and, and talk with somebody uh, and, you know, just staying on top of those things. Sorry, nope. I just skipped through a lot here. So next, I'm gonna read another quote about story of hope. So Dorothy says, I think that all the words of encouragement that were offered, not only to me, but my husband, were the most precious to our family. I had to deal with cancer, but my husband had to deal with me and the cancer. I'm truly thankful for all the kindness I received.
So we're kind of, we're coming to the end of today's module. This is a lot shorter one than last week's. Again, we have this kind of slide about, you know, taking action and getting support. So the American Cancer Society provides cancer information, day-to-day -day help and emotional support. You can call the number on the screen to speak with a trained American Cancer Society cancer information specialist for, um, you know, anything, questions you may have. And then additionally, obviously, um, the National Native Network and ACAF um, and other Native organizations have a variety of resources that are culturally tailored and available in response to, you know, cancer in Indian country. This could be fact sheets for community members, all the way to resources for clinics, for providers, for our patients. Um, for more information, take a look at um, the National Native Network website or the ACAF website. And then one other kind of tidbit I wanted to talk about was this Saturday, June 13th, ACAF, the American Indian Cancer Foundation, is going to be hosting their second virtual cancer survivor support group. This is open to current cancer patients, family members, caregivers, um, those patients who are in remission, uh, it's just an opportunity to come together and talk to people, share your story, um, do all kinds of things. So I, I think Mike has posted the PDF of that um, virtual support group flyer in the handouts portion of the meeting platform. And again, if you have any questions or want any more information, um, you can visit uh, www.americanindiancancer.org uh, for information about that uh, virtual support group. So let's just do a final close. Oh, sorry. We have polling questions. Sorry, Josh. You're okay. Um, also, I did want to note that we don't have a PDF in the handouts portion of the GoToWebinar platform. However, it is going to be included in the archived page. Um, and so two hours after our call today, you will receive an email and it will have the link in, in the email that it will take you to the archived uh, website. So I'm launching our first poll question right now. Palliative care is used to, so it's open and live. We currently have 6% of people voting. So if you haven't voted, please do so. We're at about 43% that have participated. I like to see 60%. So if you haven't done so, please vote. Okay, I'll leave it open for three more seconds. Okay, 64% of people said help patients and families manage from diagnosis onward, um, which is the appropriate response. I'm launching our second poll question. I'll leave it open for about five more seconds.
Okay, I'm sharing the results. 100% of respondents marked true. I've launched our third of seven polling questions. I'll leave it open for four more seconds. Okay, 100% of respondents marked true for this one as well. I've launched the fourth poll question. I'll leave it open for five more seconds. Okay, I'm sharing the results now. 100% of respondents uh, selected yes as well. it open for just another few more seconds. I'm sharing the results. 100% of people who responded selected yes. The sixth of the seven polling questions is up now. Leave it open for five more seconds. So 96% of respondents marked false, um, which is the appropriate answer. Oh no, actually it isn't, I apologize. It's, in, it's confusing wording, but the question was caregivers should not talk with patients about questions to ask at appointments. Um, caregivers can talk with providers at any time that they're available. The seventh and final polling question is up. I'll leave it open for four more seconds. So 81% marked true, 4% said false, and 15% said not sure. Okay, so here are the key messages, Kendra. Oh, okay, so just going to go back through a few key messages from today's module. Um, life also changes for caregivers who help their loved ones through their cancer journey. 
Caregivers are most often family members or close friends. Remember we said almost 80% of cancer patients have a family member or loved one who is their caregiver. And then remembering that the caregiver is a critical part of the healthcare team um, for the cancer patient. Um, caregivers can give medications, help manage side effects, and report problems to healthcare providers. Um, remember that if you're the main caregiver for somebody, to always try to involve others. So, and um, ask for help when you need it. You know, be able to tell somebody, uh, ask them for help, or kind of just tell them what you need right then and there. And then the biggest thing that we talked about today is that while caring for someone, it's also so very important that caregivers take care of themselves um, and really practice that self care piece of, you know, mind, body, spirit all of it and, and maintain a good balance so that you can help provide the best support you can. So does anybody have any questions about what we went over today in this module? We do have a question, a question box where you can place questions if you have any pressing questions. I'm not seeing any questions come in um, at the moment, but I'll give it just another few in case someone does have a question. I did want to remind everyone that you will receive a certificate for your attendance today. Um, it is not, it will not contain CEUs, but it will be a certificate of participation and completion of the fourth module. Um, and you will receive that within the next two days. And, um, to follow back up on my reminder from the beginning of our session today. If you have previously attended one of our other modules and you did not receive your certificate in your email, uh, please email nnn at itcmi.org and let me know which module you attended um, and then I'll cross-reference and uh, email you your appropriate certificate. So we do have a question um, asking about hospice care. We didn't cover hospice care as um, in this module. We covered it uh, partially in the last module under cancer journey. So the link that you'll get from today's presentation, um, you can also view the recording from the third module. And then uh, I will ask you this question, Kendra, um, and then we can follow up as needed. Do you have any self-care uh, resources for caregivers, if you can think of any off the top of your head? Um, One thing that um, I would chime in and say is uh, the internet is at our disposal, and so there's uh, plenty of different things on um, YouTube and other media sites. There's podcasts you can listen to. Um, I really enjoy... Uh, listening to like mindfulness or um, guided meditations um, to help me de-stress. Um, but there's a wide variety of self-care resources available. I'm not sure if you had any you wanted to share, Kendra. Yeah, no, um, just echoing what you've said and that um, 
ACAP specifically, we don't have anything um, like that, but we, we do have a um, survivorship month resource that should be coming out um, during the month of June about caregiving from, um, from a distance. And it talks about self-care very briefly. Uh, but other than that, we don't have anything. Okay. And uh, especially during this time in a global pandemic, there is a lot of resources that are being pushed out, especially through social media, on um, ways to care for ourselves. So um, I know that the Native Wellness Institute does daily uh, hour-long sessions, and they cover a wide variety of topics. So there's all kinds of uh, resources and opportunities available at our fingertips if you search for them. Um, we do have a comment that says, when I was caring for my mom and brother, I had access to self-care assistance from palliative care team and hospice team. So um, thank you for sharing that. Uh, I'm really glad that the palliative care team and the hospice team were able to um, help give you some assistance in that area. Yeah, and that brings up a good point um, for when you are a caregiver and you're taking somebody to treatment, you know, check in with the um, the health system that you're going to and see, because they're they likely do have those kinds of resources at their disposal. So definitely something to note and um, do if if you are a caregiver. Yeah. Um, so the person who gave us the comment also followed up and said that they had the option to choose a hospice care team. Um, so thank you for sharing that also. We did receive uh, another question um, asking if the support groups is specifically for natives. Yes, sorry, I should have um, been more clear with that. The, uh, the American Indian Cancer Foundation, uh, the survivor support group is for American Indian Alaska Native people um, across the nation. So pretty much where, no matter where you are located, you can join. Um, they have a registration where you just fill out a, a few little things, whether you're a caregiver, um, a cancer patient, things like that. But yes, it is for American Indian Alaska Natives. Um, someone included a link. I'm not sure if I'm gonna be able to share it with everybody um, through this, uh, the question platform, but there's a link to caregiver videos. It's at www.cancer.org. Um, slash content slash cancer. Um, so there's some treatment and caregiver videos um, on American Cancer Society's website. So I responded to the question and I'm not sure if you're all able to see the link, but um, we will include that in the archived webpage. I'll wait just another few moments. Oh, I received feedback that you're able to see the link. So um, thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, 
Well, I'm not seeing any other um, additional questions coming in. So thank you everybody for joining us today. And thank you, Kendra, for presenting today's um, webinar. And this is the last one that we have you uh, for. So thank you so much, Kendra, for going out of your way and going above and beyond. Um, I really appreciate you making time and being able to share your information with us. And um, we're excited for you as you continue on your journey. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. And um, yeah. To view the full webinar video and additional resources, please visit our website, keepitsacred.org, and click the Resources tab and the Webinar Archive tab. Thank you for listening to this Webinar Archive presentation from the National Native Network.